When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. On this edition of our podcast, let's keep it in the American with Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall. We're talking to him on the eve of game five of the NBA Finals. So by the time you hear this, that game will have already happened. But he did coach Fred Van Vliet, who's been a key member of the Toronto Raptors. And should tell you something that a lot of these guys are not hidden gems. Those of us following the sport knew plenty about Fred Van Vliet as he helped lead the Shockers to the Final Four a few years ago. Also coached Ron Baker, Landry Shamit, who had a good rookie season with the L.A. Clippers this past year. We can discuss that with Greg Marshall. And the Shockers, after one year being out of the NCAA tournament, they should be back in next season. Then after that, we're going to keep it um, in the American with USF head coach Brian Gregory. My pick for a sleeper team. Last year, I told you about UCF as the Knights ended up with Taco Fall and B.J. Taylor and Aubrey Dawkins pushing Duke to the limit in the round of 32 and having a great regular season of those guys coming back from injuries, well, I'm going to keep it in the state of Florida for my sleeper. I think USF, with all they got coming back, they won the CBI, which is, yes, I know, not even the NIT. It's a sort of a, you know, a tournament for teams that can't even get into that, but need some just experience in the spring. Well, I think USF could be this year's team. So I want to get to them early here in the spring or late spring before the summer so you know about this team going forward. Uh on NCAA.com and on our March Madness Twitter feed. Last week, I did top 25 for every award. Now, I ruffled a little feathers because Cole Anthony, yes, he's primarily a point guard. I know that. I get it. Um, I just kind of wanted to single him out and put him on another list to get him higher up. Uh, and on the Jerry West, the shooting guard list. I know that. That's not where he should be. I get it. Probably was a mistake. Maybe it is a mistake, was a mistake. But you know what was great? I heard from everyone that he shouldn't have been on that list. And you know what's great? We had incredible engagement. So that's fine. Uh, Come at me if I maybe put someone on the wrong list, but at the same time I'm signaling out a player who I think is going to have an exceptional year. And so if he's on the point guard list, he would have definitely been in that top five. Um you know, I had him at three in the shooting guard, so maybe he's at four or five on the point guard. Maybe he could end up being one. We'll see. Uh, he's definitely a playmaker and a Mr. Everything for North Carolina. Uh, other than that, you know, the lists I thought were, if there was one mistake, that would have been it. Uh, you can tweak. Purdue fans thought Eastern shouldn't have been on the small forward list. You know, he, you know, Carson Edwards was the playmaker last year. 
And, you know, he was much more of a 2-3 in terms of who he was defending and all that. Um, once again, could I slid him down to the two list? Yes. Uh, so if you're going to put, sort of point me, you know, point at me for two things that I got wrong, that's fine. Ultimately, this will all factor out, but I'm basically also saying these are some of the best players in the country. Number two, every day this week, we're having our top five most important players in a conference, the top seven conferences. Doesn't necessarily mean they're the best. Now, a couple guys on that list are the best players in their conference, but they're also the most important to their team and whether or not they're going to make the NCAA tournament. That was my criteria. Uh, transfer news that occurred on Monday. Seems like Mondays we have these kinds of things happen. Isaiah Moss going from Iowa to Kansas. If you remember, we had uh, Bill Self on last week talking about Kansas, and that was before now that they got Isaiah Moss, which fills a s- opening after Quentin Grimes withdrew from the draft and then decided to transfer. So big pickup for Kansas to get Moss, get another guard, and that certainly should help the Jayhawks uh, going forward uh, as they uh, attempt to really not just win the Big 12, but get back to a Final Four, which is a definite possibility for Kansas next season. So I want to get to my guests, sort of lay a land here. Next week, we've got the NBA draft. I'll be at the Barclays Center for NBA TV. We're going to cover that for March Madness as well. Uh, That's Thursday night, June 20th, uh, as we react to a lot of the names that you are very familiar with going into the NBA. All right, let's get to Greg Marshall, head coach of Wichita State. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Wichita State head coach Greg Marshall. And the Shockers, uh, everyone should know, uh, are going to be back. They really didn't go anywhere, but just had a minor little hiatus because I firmly believe this team is going to be right there in the thick of the American Athletic Conference race. Uh, You've got the pieces to get back there. Uh, Greg, let's discuss first your team, and then we want to get to some of your alumni. Um, The optimism that you've got for this team going forward, what drives it right now? Well, we've just got a lot of young players uh, last year that got an inordinate amount of experience by playing when maybe perhaps they weren't quite ready to play. Uh, We had eight freshmen. So these kids have grown up uh, in the course of a long season. Uh, They played much better in the second half of the year, which could be expected, than they did in the first half of the year and ultimately ended up playing into April as we were in the Final Four of the NIT. So I think that experience, having played some quality March basketball, along with the number of guys that should hopefully take a leap as they enter their second season with us, And then we've had a nice recruiting class. So we're excited about the the Shockers going forward. We're excited about the youth and as well as the experience. You know, I was going over my list of sort of the most important players in the American. I wanted to pick someone from Wichita. So I went with Dexter Dennis, uh, who had an outstanding freshman season for you. And I could have gone, obviously, in a lot of different areas. What is it about Dexter that you have found uh, in a player? Because you've had a lot of these guys that you think could end up blossoming you know, in in the line of some of your previous guards that have had exceptional college careers and ultimately been pros? Well, I think he's the next one. Uh, I hope Marcus McDuffie, our, our graduating senior, uh, who's now worked out for several NBA teams, I hope he gets a legit shot to make the NBA. Marcus has a, you know, 6'8", has a 
dynamic skill set and uh, not a real big guy, but man, he can, he can fill it up from three and he plays extremely hard. And I was the beneficiary of him going to play for coach Bob Hurley senior there in New Jersey. And so he was well-schooled coming to us and knows, knows what it takes to win. I hope he gets a shot, but this Dexter Dennis is the next great player at Wichita state. Uh, he's going to be a guy that the NBA folks will be watching this year. Uh, if he has a breakout season, uh, who knows? Uh, we, we lost Landry Shamit after his sophomore year a year ago, and that turned out really well for him. But Dexter at 6'5 can shoot the three. He rebounds. He defends at a high level. He's tremendously athletic and long. And, um, you know, he's just got to continue to work on his ball handling and his ability to put the ball on the floor. But uh, I, I've compared him to a, a young Ray Allen in terms of a guy that I think has long-term NBA potential. Greg, Jamie Anchonike and, uh, if I'm pronouncing this right, Asborn uh, Midgard. Right. You know, you've got two bigs in there at, at 6'11 and 7 feet inside that a lot of teams don't have. And I know Midgard had a great second half of the season. Uh, how do you plan to use that interior that really could be a, you know, a troubling uh, aspect for anyone that's going against you? Well, that's what we kind of did last year. We rotated those guys in every two or three minutes. Um, Jamie Ichinike had a good junior year as a junior college transfer, another newbie in our on our roster last year. But he early he played well, and then late he played well. But he had a very bad plantar fasciitis situation that uh, flared up on him right before Christmas that lingered for at least a month. Uh, so he, I don't think he ever was fully healthy after that, but he's a guy that can stretch the defense, shoot the three. He has jump hook moves over both shoulders and is extremely long. Midgard is just a specimen at seven feet and he really started to get it. In fact, his coming out party was when we needed a big body against Taco Fall and our win against UCF, uh, early in conference season. That was where Asbjorn made his debut really as a sophomore and then became more of a core player for us down the stretch. So I know I think a year ago you guys were hoping that you'd have Teddy Allen, the transfer from West Virginia. didn't happen, so he sat out the year. Uh, he could have a major impact on this team. In, in what way did you see him improve during that year of sitting out? Well, he's got to go from uh, Coach Bob Huggins in West Virginia's system to our system at Wichita State. And uh, he had some very good days on the scout team. I mean, there were days when he was extremely hard to guard, but on that scout team, when you're sitting out, there's really, you don't have the conscience that you do when, uh, once the coaches are, to, you know, really asking you to take good shots and take care of the basketball, he kind of had free reign as a scout team star, but, uh, he's a talented young man who can really score the basketball as a forward. So we're going to have to figure out ways to utilize he and Dexter Dennis, uh, and at, at the same position as well as teach one of them to play a little four so we can play a little small ball four. How has been being in the American changed Wichita? Well, I think it's we had to, we were always recruiting nationally uh, and internationally, but now I think especially playing all the games that we are able to play on the East Coast, uh, we're able to go in and, and pluck a Tyson ATN and a Noah Fernandez from the East Coast, I guess the New York area or the New England area. Uh, we're able to get a DeAnthony Gordon from Mobile, Alabama, and then uh, really are close to the geographic 
footprint of our league. So by recruiting those players, we can say, hey, we get to bring you close to home, if not to your home, when we play on the road in our league. So, Greg, we're taping this before Game 5 of the NBA Finals, and Fred Van Vliet has had a, a major influence for the Toronto Raptors, undrafted a few years ago. Landry Shammy, you just mentioned, he got drafted last year in the first round by the, uh, by Phoenix, or Philly, excuse me, and then transferred, uh, uh, traded to, to the Clippers and had a very good rookie season. Uh, what did the teams miss on Van Vliet that clearly Toronto uh, is now benefiting from? Well, we loved when we had Fred Van Bleed, obviously, and the, the coincidentally, we had Ron Baker the same four years. And that's part of the reason why Landry actually came to Wichita State, because he wanted to, to practice with those guys and play his freshman season when they were seniors and learn from them. And I can't think of better players to learn from just in terms of the little things that help teams win. I mean, Fred Van Vliet is simply a winner. And when you add the fact that now he's a great three-point shooter, at least in the last seven, five or seven games of the playoffs, that just makes him a star. I mean, he helps you do so many things when he's not scoring the basketball. And uh, you just can't have a more competitive young young man as well as just a guy that has overcome the, the physical limitations that he may have to make himself a great player. And Landry has shown that. I mean, he's, he's got um, some of the tremendous length and athleticism, but he also does the, the little things that Fred Van Bleed have, have learned and done throughout the course of their career. Greg, you guys have had a lot of different players come through that have gone to the NBA, some that have left early like Landry, others who have gone the full four years like Fred Van Vliet, like Ron Baker. Uh, in what way have you seen that benefit the players that go on to the NBA after experiencing a full four years in your program? Well, I, I just think that being able to practice daily with other good players, uh, maybe guys that weren't top 50 players in America, but still had, you know, that it factor, the, the ability to, to figure out a way to help a team win like Fred and Ron. And you see Landry now doing with the Los Angeles Clippers. Hopefully Marcus McDuffie is next and Dexter Dennis and, and the, the other young guys in our program. I think Jaime Ichinike has a chance as Bjorn Midgard. It just depends on how hard they work. Um, they're, they, you know, they've got to, develop their skills, their minds, and their bodies while they're here, and they determine how long it's going to take. You know, if we're winning and they're getting opportunities to not only play in front of the NBA scouts, but have the scouts come to practice, and now there's a, a, a legacy of these young men being able to know that they can get to the association from Wichita State. So uh, every day is, is, is like a tryout for these guys. They're working hard to improve and it just takes one team to fall in love with them, to, to give them an opportunity, and then it's up to them to, again, do that on the professional level like they did at the college level and help that program win, and then they stick and get to the second contract. So it's just been fun to watch, and, and I just enjoy being a small part of it. And, Greg, are you guys working on the deeper three now? Yeah, you know, we did that in the NIT run. Uh, we played – four games in the NIT this year with that FIBA line. And I, I kind of like it. It spaces the floor a little more, you know, and it's, you're able to, to penetrate and pitch, but you got to 
where it's really tough, in my opinion, is in the corners because you can't get behind the basketball too much and, and get your feet set very much because you'll be standing out of bounds in that deep corner. So you really have to kind of be a straight-up standstill shooter, catch and shoot there. And any uh, really good non-conference games that uh, you want to share with us? Well, we've already uh, scheduled um, – we're in our fourth year of a contract with Oklahoma. I think they come to us this year. We're starting a series with Oklahoma State, both short bus rides for us. Uh, so those will have a regional flair. VCU uh, returns to our place. Uh, we play Ole Miss in the brand new AAC SEC Challenge. And we play South Carolina in the first round down in Cancun. And that tournament also includes Northern Iowa and Old Valley foe, as well as West Virginia. So those are just a, a smattering of the, the big name schools that we're playing in the, in the conference, non-conference, but our conference, the AAC, Andy, just watched this year. It's going to be tremendous, very deep, uh, some really, really fine coaches. But I foresee this league now being a minimum of a four league bid, uh, four bids in this league going forward. And, you know, you get UConn and Memphis and Wichita State now playing at, at not even their best, but close to their best in the last 10, 15 years. And to add to Houston and Cincinnati and the year UCF had last year, uh, that's, a, that's a really good basketball conference, and we're excited to be a part. Yeah, and I think USF – could be this year's UCF. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brian, Brian Gregory uh, did a great job. I mean, they were young too. So he made a huge step with that program last year. You don't have to be strapped every night to handle the, the UCF squad. So really, uh, and, and, you know, Tulane can now be really improved. They brought in a whole new roster. You know, Coach Hunter will do a wonderful job there. Joe Dooley's done a nice job at East Carolina revamping that roster. So, It'll be interesting to see going forward. Uh, we know Memphis has got one of the best recruiting classes that I've ever seen. So um, Cincinnati with the new coach, John Brandon, a young man that I coached at Marshall University for a year, tremendous young coach. And uh, you, know, you got SMU, Tulsa in our region, as well as uh, what Kelvin Sampson, the national coach of the year last year, did at Houston. It's, it's a great basketball conference. Well, Greg, I appreciate it, and uh, I know you'll be checking out the finals and see if Fred can bring it home as we're taping this uh, with a championship. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game tonight, man. Wow. Yeah, we the North, man, pulling for those guys. It'd be wonderful. And Fred's already done so many good things for not only himself, but his alma mater. Just bringing home an NBA championship tonight would be awesome. Appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. Okay, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. So I teased by telling Greg Marshall that USF could be this year's UCF. And coming up next year on March Madness 365, you will hear from the head coach of USF, Brian Gregory. This year's UCF, the team to watch coming out of the American that could potentially challenge for the league and get into the NCAA tournament. And who knows? Maybe win a game. And that's right. Up next year on March Madness 365, USF head coach, Brian Gregory. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, USF head coach, Brian Gregory. And... Uh, Brian, uh, I know this is music to your ears because a year ago, I tabbed rival fellow AAC school UCF as sort of my sleeper team that I thought could challenge near the top of the league and go into the tournament. And ultimately, maybe it was luck or whatever, but I was proven correct. 
So I am shifting my emphasis a little for, further to the east in the American again to USF because of your returning players led by David Collins, uh, your CBI title. Uh, so tell me why I may be correct. Well, you know, I think the first thing, Andy, and I, I appreciate your uh, your vision of, w- of where we can get to. Um, hopefully you'll be correct two years in a row. But, you know, for us, you know, we, we have 10 out of our top 11 players coming back and four out of our five starters. And then the last 20 games, all five of our starters back, you know, we lose TJ Lang, who was our lone senior that, you know, played for us. But, um, you know, we, we were able to to build some good momentum this past year, obviously with the 24 wins, which was a school record and kind of exceed expectations in terms of where we would be at in year two. But now the challenge comes where you have to meet expectations and, uh, you know, that's different for these guys because none of them have ever played in the NCAA tournament. Uh, none of them have ever challenged for a conference championship. Uh, so those are those are, you know, big obstacles ahead. But we got we got a good group of guys that play really hard and, and uh, are really aligned in terms of, you know, what we want to get done in terms of their focus on a daily basis and their daily discipline. So when you add all those things up, we're going to have a chance and and now developing and improving is going to be a big key to that success this upcoming year. No, look, it's never a given. Uh, I think about George Mason last year in the A-10. They had almost everyone back. There was all these high expectations that they were going to make the tournament and it didn't pan out. UCF, if you're, I mean, you know this, I mean, they had a lot of injuries the previous year. Right. So that's kind of why there was even more anticipation once those guys came back and they had to come back healthy, which they did. So let's peel back your roster a little. What makes you so optimistic, especially with some of your veterans or even your younger guy like Alexis Yetna inside, that they are the right kind of guys that, given another year with this experience, that they can take this program to a t- potential American title and to the and, and to the tournament. Yeah, I, and and I think you hit on some great points, and 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 that's where kind of that understanding your expectations and being able to not forget what got you in this year's success in terms of exceeding those. But you know, a big thing for us, Andy, we were eight and three in our league against everybody that didn't make the NCAA tournament 0 and seven against the teams that did. So the next step, and we competed with those teams. We weren't just, you know, I would say if you're not getting what you want, it's because you're not good enough yet. So we, we have to get better. You know, we had the defensive player of the year coming back and LaQuincy Rideau, who had a great junior year for us. He'll be our lone senior in the starting lineup. We have the, the freshman of the year in, in uh, Alexis Yetna, uh, coming back, he led the league in rebounding, you know, and so he needs to improve his, his skill package. LaQuincy needs to improve his skill package. And then, you know, with, with David Collins coming back, he was the only player in our league last year that as a freshman was on the all freshman team. And then as a sophomore made an all league team. Um, but, you know, our biggest thing is, is the individual improvement that, that our guys need to need to get better at. We got to take care of the ball better. We got to shoot better from the free throw line. Uh, we need to finish some plays around the basket. You get you get a little bit of that with maturity, but we're really focusing on on guys improving, you know, their skill level. We we play hard. We're tough. We're a physical team. I think we led the country in free throw attempts, 
but we, we have to improve in some of those skill areas. And, and again, it's the, the challenge of not forgetting who we are and how, how we've gotten to this point and then just taking that another level. Well, you raised a great point that not all coaches will raise or fan bases that, again, and I'm a big believer in this when analyzing a team for the tournament, you got to beat the teams that are ahead of you that are going to the tournament. I think back to Nebraska uh, two years ago when they finished fourth in the Big Ten and didn't get in, they had 13 wins and and you know their staff and their fan base said, how can we not get in with 13 wins? Well, 12 of those 13 wins came against teams that didn't make the field. And so only one did. And that's the same thing, like you said about your team last year. As good as the record might have looked, you didn't still beat the teams right. that made the field. And right. that's that next step. Um, you know, and it's experience versus unbelievable talent coming into Memphis. Uh, you've been you've been on both sides of this, you know, assistant at Michigan State. You've been at Georgia Tech, Dayton as head coach. Um, you know, the value of experience versus going against a young team and you'll go against one like that in Memphis. It's got a ton of talent. Uh, where do you place that value on that experienced team, hoping that they can uh, weather if they may not be as talented uh, as others? Well, you, you know, and that's and, and obviously Penny's done an unbelievable job and we'll have a great team. And and, you know, we're, we're ne- never going to be in that situation recruiting wise. We're going to keep recruiting high level players and different things like that. But if you take a look, the experience factor is is, is going to have to be one of our strengths, you know, and still we, we only have two seniors in, in our on our entire roster. But we have guys who have played a, an extensive amount of minutes and and uh it'll be a big change in Memphis because a lot of times last year they started five seniors, you know, and, and, and we're pretty darn good, you know, so that that's going to be the challenge in a 40 minute game. You know, it's, it, it could be, you know, minimum in terms of the difference between experience and, and youthful talent. But sometimes you see that over the course of an 18 game conference schedule, you definitely have seen it in the NCAA tournament where maybe the most talented teams haven't advanced, but the most experienced and most cohesive teams have. And I think that's kind of at times where you see the, if there is a negative with being young and, and extremely talented in some of those situations, especially tournament time, but especially as well, you know, over an 18 game schedule where maybe the consistency, the mental approach isn't quite as there. And that's always challenging when you have young players. So as I mentioned, you were at Dayton, you were at Georgia Tech, and now at USF. And all coaches believe when they take these jobs that they can turn them, that they can get them in position to be in the tournament. Uh, what did you see at USF that really made you believe that this was plausible to at least be in position to potentially get a bid? Well, I, I think the three big things were just, you know, that the opportunity – uh, to, I mean, we were we weren't in a great place, as everybody knows, but to kind of build it from from scratch and to build it with with our guys and, and our type of players and different things like that. I thought we could recruit those type of players here. Uh, I knew it, you know, it would be difficult because we didn't have a lot of selling points at that particular time other than playing time and the opportunity to go to a great school. I, the, the other thing is I, I thought our league was a, a was a league that was kind of on the upswing. If you look at our teams in our league and the, you add the addition of Wichita State to it, you know, so many of our teams have built their national brand 
on the shoulders of their basketball program. So I thought it was a great basketball league, very similar to my time that I spent at, at the University of Dayton, you know, a great basketball league in the Atlantic 10, uh, but maybe at a little different level and the ability to recruit a little more nationally. And then the third piece was I just, you know, firmly believe that after taking that year off between Georgia Tech and getting this job, the, the year spent at Michigan State was so important for me um, just kind of re- refocusing on the things that I knew a great program had and and was just excited about building that here. And we had all the pieces in place, great facility, great support from the administration and an opportunity to build something very, very special. Well, what is it about Tom and, and the Spartan program? It seems like you're not alone in those that sort of go back a little recharge, reset and then go back out. And, you know, he sort of has that magnetism where he draws you back in to let sort of get you all set to go back out. What, what is it about that experience with him and that program? Well, you know, I always say, I mean, everything that I've ever achieved as a coach and any success and, and where I'm at today is solely because of Michigan State first with obviously with Judd Heathcote and then with with Coach Izzo. And, and he, he has a, an unbelievable ability. And you always talk about it because he's a coach, which is players in terms of having players exceed their expectations and, and go beyond their potential as players. He does it with coaches as well. You know, he just instills an unbelievable amount of belief in in you. Um, you, you know, you got someone who has has your back all, all the time and he just kind of he challenges you a little bit to, to dig down a little deeper and see exactly what what is important to you and what does drive you. And, and that at the root of all that is, you know, I know it sounds, you know, soft or whatever, because when, when you talk about it, it, it soft isn't a word you use with Coach Izzo, but it's all based on loving what you do, loving the people that you're around and loving your your opportunity to change people's lives. And that's what he does. He does it as a coach with other coaches and he does it with players. It's it's Andy, it's amazing. I just, you know, Steve Elford, I think spent a couple days out there. I talked to him the other day and he just raved about just those two days. It's it, it's amazing. It really is amazing. The guy is uh world class, no doubt about it. So Brian, you've always been one of those that uh, has been well respected, looked at as high character, run your program the right way. Um obviously there's some bad apples and we'll see what happens with uh you know anything further from the from the enforcement division over the next uh, 6 to 8 months or what have you uh where do you think the profession is right now uh in terms of its perception and how how do you think that can change you, you know i think we 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 have some damage control that we have to do but i i do agree with you andy and i appreciate what you said about me but i think that's 95% of the coaches out there i really do i you know but at the same time it's got to be more than 90 or 95%. It's got to be everybody. And that's, that's not a, a, a pie in the sky hope. That's the way it, it, it should be. Um, you know, and, and it, it, it's just one of those situations where I think there's been some good moves in terms of trying to get the profession back on track and then some moves that maybe didn't make as much sense, but in any business, there's going to be guys that try to take shortcuts and try to get to the their destination faster and quicker and so forth. You know, I, I tell our guys this, and it's the same thing in life. There's 
the, the best way to get there is a straight line and, and living a disciplined life and everything that you do. And, and our profession is supposed to be teaching that. So if we're going to teach it, we have to live by it. And I, and I do think it's made everybody aware. And I do think uh, that we can somehow, some way turn this negative into a, a wake up call in terms of us kind of with this profession, understanding how important it is to do things the right way all the time. How much will the three-point line uh, distance affect your team? You know, we, we we put it in in the spring and started working on it because we knew it was going to be a, a big thing. But I, I I do think that, you know, us shooting the ball better from the three is is a big key for our success uh, because we're so good at attacking the basket. Um, but, you know, I, I do think you're going to see it impact the game a little bit. But I think down the road, it's it's a great thing for the game. I really do. I think some other things possibly down the road are going to impact the game as well in a positive light. But this is a good step for college basketball. I like the fact that it's going to space the court a little bit more. And, and uh, you know, you, you're going to have to work on it because even though it's not that big of a difference, it's a big enough difference that if you're not, focused on it and, and putting in the time it's going to drop some three-point field goal percentages and brian uh scheduling wise we know that has a lot to do with whether or not you get in you can't leave it all to the american what do you have in the non-conference where you feel confident those are the kind of games that can help you be in position to get a bid yeah and, and that's a big challenge for us right now because we're we're, we're kind of in the in the middle you know where we got a chance to be really good but we haven't been, even though the 24 wins and I think our net ranking at the end of the year was like an 82, there are some leagues that have certain guidelines that we don't meet. Uh, some of the, you know, the the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12 teams like that. But we're, we're playing in, you know, the Cayman Island tournament, which is a great tournament for us. A lot of good teams. Obviously, Nebraska is there. Washington State, some teams, Colorado State's going to be very good, New Mexico State, Loyola. So we get a chance to to play some, you know, quality teams there. And we're trying to build our non-conference schedule to put us in the position uh, to have a, a, a good enough strength of schedule outside of our league, get some quality wins, play some quality teams, both home away and neutral, where now you go into the league, and now if you take advantage of how good our league is going to be next year, you put yourself in a position to get in that large bid. So no other Power Five home and homes yet, or on the road? We're still, still yeah, still working on that. Okay. Still working on that. Uh, it's amazing, you know, that the scheduling has gone further and further. You used to be done by first of June. Now uh, with the NBA. Uh, deadline and different things like that. The month of June has become a, a big month for finalizing your schedule. All right. Well, maybe this will help other coaches. Listen up, schedule USF because they're going to be good. Okay. <laughs> you know, and and that's the challenge. You know, uh, uh, we're going to be we're going to be good, but at right now the perception and the and the, the recent history doesn't show it so all right we're changing that we're changing that. yeah and that and that and that's the big challenge and i think you know uh what we'll have a chance to be able to schedule some high quality teams like i said both here neutral and on the road all right brian well we heard it here in june usf they're gonna be the new ucf from last year i'm on the bandwagon i'm driving it early There's not many people on right now 
So it's kind of a bit of a, you know, I got to get more people on the bus, but I'm driving. Yeah, and you've, and, and you've done a great job. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how many teams out there, you have three of our players in the in the top 25 in their position in the, in the stuff you did last week. First, I appreciate that. But two, I think you're you're right on the money in David Collins, LaQuincy and, and Alexis. So, um, you know, we're going to keep getting better. And, and our style of play is is one that our, our guys enjoy doing. And we just need to keep keep improving. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, buddy. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. We are covering the sport. All year round, there are very few podcasts in the country that cover the sport like we do. We bring you the newsmakers, the coaches. Uh, once we get into the thrust of the season, we got a lot of players coming through, media members. We're covering it all for you all year round. This is your destination. And on social media, your destination is March Madness, at March Madness on Twitter. You can go to our Facebook page. Of course, wherever you get your Turner podcast, you find this podcast, March Madness 365. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back in next week. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.